Good day, or evening, wherever you are, whenever you are, to those of you who are hearing this recording. Uh, I'm not going to give my name, because this is anonymous, but this podcast is going to be a recording of my conversations with God, and that might sound... Those who are polite might call it far-fetched, and those who are impolite might call it madness, or an attempt to manipulate the public. It's none of the above because, like I said, I'm going to be anonymous. There are people in my life who I want to protect, but I'm going to share this because I really do think these are conversations with God. And there might be someone out there who needs to hear them as much as I do. So I'm going to give a little bit of my story and jump in with today's conversation. Um, I'm an American. I grew up in Southern California. I had a good education. Went to college graduated, didn't end up doing what I originally thought I was going to do, suffered intense depression most of my adolescence, all throughout college, and that's what drove me into the arms of Jesus. Certainly not because it was what I originally planned in life either. And it wasn't long after I became convinced of the reality of Jesus, that he really was, really is, the Son of God, born into, or into human flesh 2,000-something years ago, sinless, born of a virgin, died on a cross for our sins, resurrected on the third day. It wasn't too long after that that I had an experience that took me back all the way to my childhood. One day as I was walking across the campus where I was still uh, a student for a little while longer, I was just praying silently in my mind as I had begun to do. And it didn't quite feel like there was a reply, but it did feel like there was a presence with me, and it was sweet and familiar. And I remembered something I hadn't thought about in years by that point, <clears throat> that as a kid, there had always been a presence with me in quiet moments, that I was never alone, even though I was an only child, my mother was going back to school and getting her RN and spent most of our waking hours together studying. And my father, God rest him, was a writer. I maybe call him a failed writer, but he was always hacking away at some project and rarely broke off any time just to be with me. 
But as a young child, I just remember it wasn't an audible voice, but it was a presence who spoke. And coming back to prayer so many years later, by that point, that presence was back too. And I came to realize within my adult mind, this was God. This was Jesus. He'd always been with me. I hadn't always been with him. And I thought perhaps this was a normal thing in the Christian life because I certainly didn't grow up Christian by any stretch. And that was a comforting moment. But as happens in life, I got distracted, I moved on, blame my ADD, blame whatever, not important, but several more years went by. Although I definitely, by circumstances, felt God calling me into a life of service, um, serving him in places where the message of the gospel was rarely heard, not always welcome. And in the midst of that, uh, a family member got sick with cancer right at the same time that I had let go of my uh, regular employment. And I didn't have, I was still in my 20s, didn't have a lot of commitments. And my, what had been a commitment to move abroad and start serving had evaporated. And so I moved back home after nearly 10 years away from my family to what felt like at the time, watch someone I love die of a horrible disease. And those days were very dark. I wasn't sure if I had obeyed the commandment that Jesus gave someone and they came to him one day saying, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. But first let me bury my father. And Jesus had said, let the dead bury their own dead. In that period of time in my life, those words rang out in my head over and over. Did I make the right choice? Should I have let my unbelieving family handle their own issues while I went to people who were perhaps receptive to the Word of God. Looking back on it now, that's kind of cold-hearted. But I've never been someone who is deeply compassionate by default. Except to people who are, well, Desperately unfortunate. 
And it was actually that default stance of my heart that made me stay in the U.S. and give up my plans. It was love. It really was love. But I didn't really understand that God's love isn't black and white. And that when Jesus told someone, let the dead bury their own dead, he wasn't talking to someone who was torn between compassion and duty, but someone who was torn between culture and risk. But it was in that deeply troubling, deeply unsettled season of my life that I started to put in a lot of energy into praying that God would speak to me. Speak to me, make himself known to me. Revelation. Um, a lot of people in the church, followers of Jesus, look for revelation in the Bible, in the Word. And there were times in that season where, because I made connections with new Christian brothers and sisters through a local church, that I was burdened by compassion to ask for revelation, and God gave me dreams. One in particular that uh, some other time I'll share. I've remembered to this day a sign extremely powerful of God's foreknowledge of events, his insight into the spiritual world. Well, it was in that year, praying out of desperation one night, that that presence that I'd felt as a boy and that I'd felt again for the first time as a new believer came back, but he spoke not in audible words, but he spoke to me. And we had a conversation back and forth. Not audible. It was all in my mind. But as distinctly as I could tell you that it was not my own thoughts in my head, that's what that conversation was. And it was like a dam bursting inside of my soul. It was exhilarating, freeing, amazing. But when I would ask questions about what was coming up, guidance that I needed, sometimes it seemed like a wall went up. Sometimes it seemed like There just, like there wasn't something going on. And I started to wonder if all of this was just me interrogating my own subconscious, twisting my knowledge to sound like God's words. And anyone listening to this is some kind of amateur or a professional theologian may have a lot of quibbles with me, and you can 
you can do whatever, you can say whatever. I'm just relating my experience. But in that moment, at that time, I got scared to pursue a relationship with God like this. And I let it go. But there would be times on and off for the next several years as my relative died, as opportunities, really miraculous opportunities came about for me to actually travel abroad serve Jesus in different contexts. Those came up. And I would sometimes lean into that conversational relationship, but I've never been great at maintaining relationships. And it was occasional rather than constant. So time passed. While I was abroad, I was very single, very lonely, struggled with it. Pursued a couple of potential relationships, nothing panned out. And one day encountered the woman who would one day become my wife. And pursuing that relationship was meant pursuing God and asking for guidance, clarity, which I got. And that in itself is a long, fun story. Or it would be a fun story if, fast forward 13 years beyond that to the present day, my marriage wasn't in shambles. I own a home, co-own a home with my wife, and yet I'm making this podcast from my studio apartment. She's already filed paperwork. She did so a couple days before my birthday. I don't want to be divorced. I love her desperately. Even though for years, with first one and then two kids, and the pressure of my work, for which I am frankly underpaid and overstressed, and my wife being a stay-at-home mom, who's really, in a lot of ways, way overqualified. <laughs> the spark went out of our marriage. Maybe that's all my fault, I don't know. But having my heart ripped out, coming to the lowest point of my whole life, facing thoughts of suicide, and I'm ashamed to say even homicide at times, drove me back into the arms of my savior. I've never really departed, but I certainly haven't had as deep and regular a relationship. As is fitting and appropriate. But in the early days of even just separation, my wife, I would talk with God, and he 
began to tell me to record, record the conversation, not just speak with him in my mind, as I have done for years, not just write it down where I would take turns writing out my thoughts and then putting it in italics and writing out what I believed were his words, but to speak out loud. This is something that started maybe a year ago, a little more, right before the pandemic, really. But I abandoned it during the pandemic, too, when I got too stressed out. But I've leaned into it and asked God for help, asked God for clarity and guidance and strength. And one day he just said, your marriage will not end in, in divorce. And I almost didn't dare let the words escape my lips. I, I, I sensed them, I thought them before they came out, and I almost didn't want to let them out. Because that's heavy. To hear God, potentially God, make a promise of that kind of depth, once it's out, Either I've been hearing God or I haven't, because either my, my marriage will or won't end in divorce. And that was late March, 2021, and I started asking for signs. God, if this is real, don't just give me words. Anyone can give words. I need someone that who knows nothing about me and my wife, to come out of nowhere with prophetic insight and encouragement. I actually said that. And to condense the story a bit, that is exactly what happened the next day. I got a text from someone on Facebook Messenger that I have not talked to in 15 years. 15 years. Who'd had a dream about me and my wife? although he'd never met her. And this was not normal for him. And maybe one day I'll have him as a guest on this podcast. I don't know. But, well, that gave me some encouragement. And I've had other moments of asking for signs, asking for the, for the money to pay for this apartment because Frankly, it didn't have the money. When God said, you need to move out of the house, stop living with friends, get your own apartment. And I didn't want to move out. I didn't want anything. God said, kept saying, you just retreat in front of your wife. Okay, you have let sin into your life. Specifically, talking about pornography and masturbation. Not Certainly not every day and all the time, but more often than once a month. He said, it's just like the sin of Achan. Actually, he didn't say it. He told me after a conversation, at, during a conversation, that we needed to cut the conversation short because I should read my daily Bible passage for the day. And it was a day I hadn't been reading, so I just picked up that day's reading, and it was the children of Israel entering the Promised Land. They'd already been successful at Jericho, 
But then they couldn't take the small town of Ai because someone in their camp had been had taken something they weren't supposed to, held on to something that wasn't theirs, and their sin had to be put to death first before the army could go back and retake the city. And God showed me in that moment, and we've talked over that. With sin in my life, sin in my heart, trying to pursue my wife's, my, pursue my wife and pursue her heart, God wasn't going to bless it, and hadn't been blessing it. But with that sin put to death, and my, and now in a process of actively putting all my sins to death, the sin of fear, timidity. And being generally irresponsible and lazy. As I put that to death, God will respond and give me opportunity. Just like the, the men of Israel, the people of the army of Israel, they went back to that city a second time and pretended to retreat. They did retreat. Let the army of Ai think that they had the better of them. And as they retreated, there was a second force that came in an ambush. Once all the defenders had left the city, they put the city to the torch. And the first, first force of Israelite soldiers turned and defeated the defenders and took the city. Well, God showed me that my wife has defenses up around her heart because of how I've been, because of my sin, sins, and that I need to follow through on letting my wife have her way in this divorce, keeping the house, keeping the kids, even though she doesn't have a job, and I don't foresee her necessarily getting a job that's going to pay all the the expenses, but I could be wrong. But God telling me it doesn't really matter. Let her have her way, fall back. And when the time is right, he will be the second line and he will put her defenses to rest. And then I can turn and pursue her heart. Not in any kind of violent way, but for her good, for healing, for love. So that's where I am. Now, 23 minutes in, I said this was going to be a short story. <laughs> but it's time to speak with God. Oh, is it now, James? Yes. I said your name, and you're going to have to edit that out because you don't want to publish it. But I am your Lord, and I am the one who told you to make this show, so yes, I'm here. No, folks, he doesn't have a split personality. He's all there. He's letting this voice through right now. He's letting me speak to you and to him, but I'll speak with him right now before I speak to all of you. 
And instead of calling you by your name, I will call you sir. Listen, sir. Thank you for having me as your guest. <laughs> I know everybody expects me to be some sort of horrible, judgmental, stern, paternal, or they expect that that's how the Christians portray me. No. I get processed through your body, your mind, your voice, so I'm going to have a male voice. But I created every human being, male and female. I'm no stranger to gender. I'm gendered in the Bible because of traditionally what fatherhood is. Not generative, but directive. Sustaining. Supportive. Not nurturing, but developing guiding. That is my role. I have fathered humanity. And of course, for millennia, there have been plenty of women who have fathered. So, choose whatever gender you want to put on that. It's not terribly important to me. But your host for this podcast is a cis male, straight cis male, and my voice is coming out of his mouth. So it is what it is, folks. If you don't like that, you can take it up with me privately and I'll talk to you in whatever voice you need to hear. But back to our host. Sir, you know that you're keeping folks waiting, so you need to keep this conversation short. You've done plenty of intro. This is good for episode one, okay? Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it is getting late in the day. <sighs> Thank you for the run this morning. Thank you for letting me go run this morning. You're welcome. Thank you for praying for rain couple weeks ago. You're not the only one. This poor state is so dry. And there's so few people praying for rain, really. You'd think with the end of the world coming. Yes, climate change is part of it. With, well, I guess it's dangerous when I use this word, but when apocalyptic change is around the corner, visibly so. I mean, Jesus told his followers, you know when it's about to be summer because the figs develop on the tree. Well, he was talking to farmers. Farmers have always been botanical scientists of any age, any day. They may not be systematic, they may not have been systematic scientists like you know in your modern age, but scientists are scientists. People who know things based on rules, laws of nature. People who know 
whether it will be stormy or clear in the morning, like sailors. They were not meteorologists in the classic sense, but they knew how to read the signs. Look around. Climate change is a sign, an enormous one, enormous. And I, I'm allowing it because I want people to get it. Anyway, you'd think in apocalyptic times like this, there would be more people who call themselves by the, the name of my son, Christ, who would be praying, earnestly praying, for the windows of heaven to open. There's a lot of American Christians who like to talk about praying for the windows of heaven to open. And they're talking about financial blessing and tithing. And that's great. But my prophet who spoke, <laughs> recorded in the Bible, was talking to people in a drought. California and Israel are a lot more literally the same, culturally the same, physically and geographically the same, climatically the same, than any of you people really give credit for. And when you're in drought, you need rain. Pray for rain. I will respond. There's nothing magic about prayer. You're just asking me. I happen to be omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent. I can handle 10,000 requests at the same time. And I can judge the ones that I'm going to respond to and not, because it's my creation. But ask. There's no harm in asking. So few people are really asking. Ah. <sighs> Well, when Jesus comes back, he said, when I come back, will I find faith in the earth? And as your host will rightly acknowledge and admit, for much of his time as a quote-unquote believer, he hasn't had a lot of faith. But I'm done with having him be faithless. He hasn't been faithless in his marriage so much as he's been faithless to me as so many of you who are listening will understand in your own lives. So now let me turn it to you, dear listeners. Why don't you approach me? Are you afraid that I'll punish you? Are you afraid that I'm not there? Afraid that I don't, I'm there but I just don't care? I let my son, my son, hang by his wrists until he drowned in the fluid in his own lungs. And that was just the outward physical torture. He saw every one of your sins cross before his eyes. He felt my pain. 
resulted from every one of your sins. Every single one. He suffered the depth of my pain and fury. Every sin is an eternal sin. My fury with sin is an eternal fury. But I love you all the same. And I cannot, will not, I purpose from the beginning not to be conflicted within myself. So to grant you mercy, I put the punishment on my son and he absorbed it and it's done all my rage expended expended put away like Jesus cried out on the cross the Greek versions write it down as tetelestai but the day that I heard him scream it is finished at the top of his lungs with the last of his strength I rejoiced and grieved rejoiced knowing that all of the humanity that I created would have the free choice to come back to me wholeheartedly and completely with nothing holding them back and nothing in the way and grieved to see my son have to die for it. And grieved knowing that most of my people, most of my human beings that I created, did never looking forward to me, nor would ever look on Jesus and say, I trust him instead of myself. But I also knew that I was going to resurrect my son. And any of you listening to me right now, if you're hearing this and saying there's no hope for me, stop lying to yourself. You know there's hope for you. You're just too scared to believe that it might be true. You've been told all your life, if something seems like it's too good to be true, then it is. But we're not talking about someone selling something. Your host, this good sir, isn't going to make a dime from this. I'm not going to reveal who he is. He's not going to be an influencer. I will not let him. This is just me reaching out to you, saying, come back to me. Come back to me. Be mine. For a season you can listen to your host, speak my words, but I want you to have your own relationship with me directly. Get to know your Bible. Get into relationship with people who know me and love me, even as much as they screw up and don't understand and go the wrong way and think the wrong thoughts. 
get to see what it's like when I take up residence in somebody's soul by the Holy Spirit. When I put their sins to death with Jesus on that cross. And suddenly they hear my voice and they hear me saying, Oh, my beloved son, my beloved daughter, you've come back to me. You've come back to me. Every one of you hearing this. I want you back. I want you all back. And if you're hearing this and your heart is burning inside of you, I just want you to know you will come back. I have you in my hand. I've put you in the hands of Jesus and you can never be dropped, never lost, never forgotten. Never fail again so badly that you take it all away. Can you fail in this world? Can you have consequences here that are terrible? Oh, yes. But will they keep you from me? No. No. No, they will not. They're mine. To be with me forever. Oh. Your host here is not a perfect vessel for all that I have for you, but he has volunteered to step up. So, there you go. But it's time for your host to get himself out the door and make his appointments. So, host... Yes, Father? Your job here is done today. Say goodbye to the people. Oh my god. <laughs> Are we doing some sort of Charlie McCarthy routine here? Sure. Don't you dare call me the puppet. Okay. Right, Lord. I'll be the meat puppet. It's fine. No, sir. You're my son. You're my son. I am in you and you are in me. And that's what makes this so glorious. I love you. I love these people. And in a short enough time, we're all going to be together. And the pains and the worries of this world will not matter. You got some time to go, and I'll be in it with all of you. But I love you all. I love you all. All right, you ready to say goodbye? I guess so. Yeah, all right. Hey, folks. Thanks for coming and listening to my story, if you ever do. And, yeah, time for me to say goodbye. So, goodbye, and I'll be back again at some point. <laughs>